You're listening to a message from Gateway Church Geelong. We hope it blesses you. For more information about Gateway, visit gc.org.au. Well, my message today is called, Why Does the Church Exist? Now, if I was to put a, a whole lot of pieces of paper out there and say, write on a piece of paper why the church exists, I am so sure that I would get about a billion different reasons as to why the church exists. And I guess another way to think about it is what's the reason for the church? What's the mandate that the church has and the individuals who make up the church have? What are the things that are supposed to outwork through the church? You know, if we answer that question simply, it's most of, us, most of you would agree with this. It's worship, it's fellowship, it's discipleship, communion, ministry, and last but not least, mission. These are all wonderful scripturally derived things from the great commandment and the great commission. See, the Bible is quite clear about the things that I've just mentioned to you, and it talks about it in Matthew 22, 37 to 40. This is the great commandment for those of you who are familiar with it. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And the second scripture, Matthew 28, 19 to 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So even, even though these uh, pure scriptural directives in the Bible from Jesus himself, not passed on through somebody else, Jesus himself, there are lots of things that are present within the life of local church congregations. Some things really, really good and some things not so good. Some of the not so good things are churches getting trapped in traditions, the focus only being on finances, getting so program focused that the reason for existing gets lost. Personalities clashing, usually because of undealt with personal issues. Being event focused without mission at heart. These are, these are the things that were never, ever meant to be dominating forces within the local church. But the beauty of the church, the great things are people finding Jesus, people encouraging each other, people sharing the hope of Jesus within and outside of these walls, having wonderful moments of worship and fellowship and learning the ways of Jesus. These are the things, the beautiful things from within the local church. These are some of the wonderful reasons why we're called to exist as the church. But before we can fully answer the question of why does the church exist, we need to answer some important questions that come before it. The first one is this, who started the church? Not this one, the church. Who started 
the church. Often we may be tempted to look to the revival that happened in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit came on that day and think that's the day that the church started. 3,000 people got added to it. Therefore, that must be the beginning of the church. The disciples were present. They must be responsible for starting the church. Let's look at the scriptures this morning to see who started the church. This is what it says in Matthew 16, starting at verse 15. Then Jesus said to his followers, and who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Going forward to verse 18. So, so I tell you, you are Peter and I will build my church on this rock. The power of death will not be able to defeat my church. The answer is that Jesus started the church. Like how, how, do you, how do you come to that conclusion from just by reading, reading those three verses? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about it. In that very moment, Jesus puts out these words. He says, who, who do you say, say I am? And Simon Peter answers back, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Are you ready for this? Hold on to your hats for this very moment. This hit me like a ton of bricks this week. Those of you who have been in church for a very, very long time will be familiar with Romans 10 verse 9. We talk about it every Sunday at the end of the service. And in that passage of Scripture, what does it say? Somebody. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you, you will be saved. What is the very thing right here that Jesus asks his followers, who do you say I am? And the response is, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. On that very day in Matthew 16, we catch Peter, read, right? That, someone on the front row just gone. I'm like, that was my response this week. That, that very call that it has in Romans 10 verse 9 to, to confess that Jesus is Lord with your mouth is the very thing that Simon Peter did on that day. And on that day, the church started. Because following in verse 18, so I tell you, Peter, and I will build my church on this rock. The power of death will not be able to defeat my church. That name Peter means rock. He was the, and for those of you who are aware, Jesus renamed Simon as Peter, Peter meaning rock. Who was the first person who responded? Peter, the first rock that built the church, the first living stone that went into building the church. See, Jesus had met this guy, Simon, called him to follow him as a disciple, renamed him Peter. And he starts his, his church with this one individual who's prepared to say, I believe that you are Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the one sent to save us. Jesus not only re-identifies him with a new name, but identifies him with a name that says, you are the first rock that is going to come into place. The first person who chose to believe that I was Jesus, the Son of God. It's a powerful moment. The next question we need to answer before we, before we can look at 
why does the church exist is who is the church? That is, that is a really important thing for us to know. The church is not a building. Let's just start with that. These four walls that are around us are merely a building. It's, it's, it's a great building. We're so blessed to have a building. We're so blessed to have the land that it's situated on. But it's just land and it's just a building. Without bodies in it, it is just an empty carcass, amen? With bodies in it, it's a thing of beauty. It's a church. You know, the Bible references Jesus in multiple ways when it talks about him. It talks about him as the foundation, the cornerstone of the church. Also talks about him as the head of the body. And I just want us to touch base on a couple of key scriptures this morning around the foundation or the cornerstone aspect of Jesus and also being the head of the body aspect as well. Matthew 7 verses 24 to 27. If you've got your, got your app or your Bible, please turn to it. This is what it says. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. The church is founded on Jesus. The foundation, the strong rock is Jesus alone. And when we build ourselves on him, the church, the bodies, when we build ourselves on him, the wind can come, the storms can come, the wind can blow, but when we're built on Him, we are built on the firm foundation. The bodies build the church. Amen. This church, the church, is built on the foundation of Jesus and nothing else. Nothing else is important for the foundation except Jesus. Its focus, its ways, its doing must always reflect being built on the firm foundation That is Jesus. Spiritually, emotionally, ethically, morally, when the wind blows, it's unshakable. When it's built on Him alone. So whoever builds their life, claims that their salvation, hears the ways and sayings of Jesus and does those things, Jesus calls them His. Jesus calls them His. Those people are His church. And they've been built into the church along with Peter and the generations that followed. Amen. Stay with me for a moment. Turn to Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22. You're like, Pastor, you've got a lot of scripture this morning. There is nowhere else to get this information from. Amen. I checked Wikipedia. There was nothing there. Nothing there about untruths that people had filled in. Just quietly, if you're at university, don't use Wikipedia for any assignment. It doesn't work. I didn't try it. My lecturer told me in the first assignment, don't use Wikipedia. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building 
being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you're also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I, I want to encourage you. These, these walls, these walls do a disservice. If we say that this is the church, it's a disservice to the beauty that God is building together with people. Amen. It says here that in verse 21, being fitted together. When you make a decision for salvation, God takes you, grabs you and it's like, there is your place in my household. I am using you to build a holy, beautiful temple. There you go. Can, can we pause on that for a moment? I think so often we can, we can think about ourselves being in the local church. It's like, oh, it doesn't matter whether I'm there or not. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I've saved you. I've redeemed your life. And now I am going to fit you into the household of God. Your place being fitted into the temple matters. We, I, I just, let's be clear for a moment. If we choose to remove ourselves from being fitted into the household of God, who knows what happens when you begin to take enough bricks out of a wall? Who knows what happens to it? The bricks next to it are going, uh-oh, uh-oh. What the builder puts together is never meant to be taken apart. It's meant to be held together by strength. Amen. I don't say that this morning with a, with a heavy hand. I say that with a, you need to remind yourself that you have been fitted into the temple of God by God himself. Why does he have you there? Because he wants to dwell in the temple. He wants to dwell in, in those bricks that he's fitted together, those living stones, which is us. He wants to dwell within them, amen. The church that he is building, the temple that he's building, it's not built from stones or bricks from a quarry. It's been built with the lives of people who were added to the household of God. Started with Jesus. Peter was the first living stone. We are built on the foundation of Jesus. We, the people, have become the church where God dwells. Who is the church? We are the church. We, the people, have become the place where God dwells, the church. Let's elaborate a little bit more just to, just to bring some real clarity to this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 5 says this, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple, he was rejected by the people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you, ready for this chapter, verse five, you, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You you are living stones that God is building together. Any person that receives Jesus comes into salvation, being restored to God. They become living 
stones that God is building for his temple. Let's be clear for a moment. When you come to church and you serve and you serve each other and you offer worship during the time of worship and you join together with your tithes and when you offer God the best of your heart, you are operating as one of his holy priests within the, within the body of Christ. When you activate the ways of Jesus, when you give everything you've got and you come together, he is, he is using you, has mandated you as a holy priest within the body of Christ. You're offering worship to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He made you holy when you confessed that he was Lord. So I'll say this one more time. You have been built into his spiritual temple, a living, breathing church. You know, Jesus is always ref- also referred to in the Bible as the head of the body. And we talk about who is the church. We've already established that we, we are the church, and that we've been built into the church. But the church is also referred to as his body. In Colossians 1 verse 18, it says this, He is the head of the body made up of his people. We couldn't get much more clearer, could you? (laughs) Made up of his people. That is his church, (laughs) which he began. Oh, I couldn't get much. Maybe I should have just gone to that at the beginning. Which he began. I had to build a case for it this morning. Amen. We need to be, we need to be, it needs to be proven to us from the word of God. Not through what I say, but it needs to be proven through the word of God. He is the head of the body made up of his people That is his church, which he began. And he is the leader over all those who arise from the dead so that he is the first in everything. His people. Are you one of his people today? Are you one of his people? If if you are, if you are one of his people, you are his church, which he began. Jesus, he is the head of the body, the church. It's because of Jesus that we are formed into what is known as the body of Christ. Here's the head, we are the body. We've been formed into the body of Christ or the church. Now, each of us has a, has a human body. And our human body, it's, it's, it's a vehicle. We use it as a vehicle. Like We walk around, we go from here to here, we pick things up and we, we do things. For those of you who like to do things, and each of it uses, we, we use it to express ourselves verbally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. We, we express ourselves. Sometimes we do it really, really well. And other times, Jesus come and redeem us again. Is it, are you ready for this this morning? So too, the body of Christ is also a vehicle. It's a vehicle that Jesus uses here on planet earth. The church... You are his body, the church that is the way that he uses to express himself to the world. We use our bodies verbally, emotionally, physically to to express ourselves and be present in the world. We, the body of Christ, are what he uses to express himself here on earth. He is the one that gives direction because the head gives direction to the body, amen? The brain says, you need to lift up your foot and step forward. Jesus, the head of the church, conveys to the body, so this is what I want you to do. This is why the church exists. 
You're here to represent me on earth. He uses the Bible to show us his ways and his direction of what he wants the church to do. So the head, it speaks of decision-making. It speaks of guidance and direction, dictation and authority. He occupies that place. He occupies the place of the head of the church that guides and directs the church in the ways that we are called to represent and express Jesus to the world. No pressure. No pressure. So who is the church? You are the church. You are the body of Christ. Every local church that confesses with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead is part of his church. Churches who preach other things outside of that, I just want to encourage you. Be aware of what you're listening to through podcasts and online. Look up the church. Whenever I'm listening to a podcast online, I'm like, this sounds pretty good. Before I go any further, I'm like, okay, who's sharing it? I'm going to go to the internet. I'm going to see who they are, what's they're covering, what church church they're part of. Does their church preach Jesus and Jesus alone? Or are they preaching to be saved? You have to do this, 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 this. Actually, here's another 800 laws. I just want to be clear. The church of Jesus Christ believes in one thing, that it's Jesus Christ alone that can save. That wasn't in my notes, but it's important. Why does the church exist? We've established that Jesus started it, that Jesus created it, and that we are the church, the body of Christ, and he's building us into a living temple that he dwells in. But what's the purpose? What is the purpose of all of that? We're going to look at just two reasons today. This this message is going to be part of a series, and we're just going to look at two reasons, because otherwise we're going to be here till like, like 22 p.m. 10 p.m., yeah, you got it. Well done. <laughs> and then as time goes on, we're going to look at at least another four, four reasons after these two. Why does the church exist? The first one is this, to activate the Great Commission through you or to activate the mission through you. This, is the, this had to be my number one today. I could have like had a whole lot of things, as, at least another five things could have been my number one. But this one here, I, I just I can't go past it. I cannot go past it, this being the top number one reason for why the church exists here on planet Earth. He has called the church, his body, to join him in his mission. It's a mission that's been on God's heart since the beginning of time to restore people back into relationship with him. This is the top one reason for me. You can have some, you might have your top one, but this is for me. This is the top one reason why the church exists. It says, it says this in the following passage of scripture and it, it confirms that he has activated you, the collective church for mission and proclaiming the good news. It says this in Mark 16 verses 15 through to 16. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not will be condemned. We catch this simple glimpse. It's like, I'm going to ask you to join me in one thing. 
Jesus didn't ask, ask us to join him in any other commission, one commission. See, you become part of the church when you receive salvation. We've established it. And Jesus counted you as part of his body or a living stone, if you like. You, we are the church. And he's called us, commissioned us to go into the world, to proclaim the good news. What is the good news? Maybe you've been in church a long time and you've heard people talk about the gospel and the good news. But it's like, it sounds good, but I, don't, I can't actually put it into words. The good news is this, that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus here to planet earth. Jesus taught the disciples, taught his ways, went to the cross, was buried and rose again on the third day. Why? For the forgiveness of our sins. There was no other way that our sins could be forgiven and we could have personal relationship with God. This is the good news. No longer does humanity have to be separated from the love of God. I don't know about you, but that sounds like pretty good news to me. Anybody, anybody else? It sounds like pretty good news to me. I think that's worth focusing on. I think that's, particularly as it's part of the Great Commission, to proclaim the good news. To proclaim that Jesus loves, that Jesus saves, that Jesus makes a way to come back into relationship with him. I'm going to keep talking about it until it burns in our hearts. Amen. So how should the mission, the first reason for the church existing, outwork? How should the mission be activated and carried out? Let me start by saying it should be carried out with love. The mission should be carried out with love. Without love, it's just another clanging symbol, amen? It's just someone telling people what they're doing wrong. Love, love. In Matthew 22, 37 to 40, let's read it again. The, the great commandment. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So the first commandment that God gives us is love the Lord with every part of our being. The second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And let's just pause on it. I wasn't going to talk about it. Let's just pause on it just, just for a moment this morning. The quality of the way in which you love your neighbor, there is a direct correlation into the way that you can love your neighbor in the way that you love yourself. The Bible is very clear on it here. If you're like, I love people, but do you love that you are a creation that God breathed into being? Do you love that God has called you made you his child? Do you love that God has placed you in this world to be part of his church? Do, do you love when you look in the mirror, it's like, I, I wish there wasn't wrinkles, but I, I love this. <laughs> I, I wish that my hair was still brown. I, I wish that what I'm seeing in the mirror right now is the same as that photo that I showed the church a couple of weeks ago. But I love, I love this. I love the heart that God has redeemed. I love the mind that he is renewing. I love that he has called me to this church. I love that he's called me to the people. I love that he's called me to this family. Learning to love this 
is a direct correlation to the way that you can learn to love others. If you can't love this and what God has created, the love that you show to others, yeah, there'll be, there'll be glimpses of it. There'll be moments of it. But it's scattered with the other stuff that's in our hearts, amen? Let God renew the love. He, he, he loved you. Let Him renew the love for yourself, for your heart. Don't get down on yourself. Don't be heavy on yourself. So often we can look in the mirror and it's like, should have done this, should have done this, should have done this, should have done this. What have you done though? What have you done? We can always focus on what we don't do, right? Anyone has got a gym membership can testify to that. <laughs> what should I have done? But what have you done? Did you get yourself out of bed and say, good morning, Jesus? Good job. Did you get yourself out of bed and put a worship song on? Well done. Did you get yourself out of bed and on the way to work, it's like, I'm just going to put some worship on. The simple things. So often we look at it, it's like, I, I should have got up at four. Should have read through the book of Genesis before 4.30. Just after that, I needed to trek to the top of the Yuyangs because I was meeting there for the morning prayer meeting with the brethren. Come Stop focusing on the things that you're not doing that are completely, like it's untangible. Like, who can do that? Someone who doesn't have a family can do that and probably be part of a monastery <laughs> because it's like you are like blocking out your entire life, amen, to, to pursue the kingdom only. What can you do? What can you celebrate? Don't get down on yourself for the things you're not doing. Learn to celebrate the little wins and let those little wins encourage you to step into the next one. Amen. Go and make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them everything. What is to, what is to teach everything? To disciple people in the ways of Jesus. We are called to purposefully outwork the mission, the Great Commission with love and absolute purpose. This is the top number one reason for the church existing. Why is it a top number one reason? Well, there's a couple of key reasons. Let me give the biblical reasons. It's a commandment, a commission that God gave us to love people and see people hear the good news of Jesus, be baptized, be discipled. Here's another good reason. If a church only exists because there are bodies that make up the church. If the commission is not being outworked, if the people of the church don't let the fire of the Great Commission burn within their hearts, there will be no local church. The local church only exists because someone reached out to their friends and family and said, there's some good news that I need you to hear. There is some great news that I need you to hear. You don't have to go through life alone. God sent Jesus because he loved you so much. This is why this church exists, because someone came to you and said, boy, oh boy, have I got some good news for you. And you heard it and you're like, wow, I thought I was, I thought I was in this life alone by myself forever. But now I just found out that God loves me so much. They sent Jesus to redeem me. This is, this is the good news. And this is why you're sitting here today. Somebody reached out to you 
I want to encourage you. There are other people in your world that need you just to shine a light on the good news. They, they need to hear that they're not alone in this. They need to hear that God loves them so much that He went out of His way to find a way to redeem them. Number two, why, why does the church exist? Worship. Worship. Let's take it back to the Bible this morning. It says in Matthew 22, 37 to 40, what, what, what does it start off with? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. What, is, what does the great commandment start with? It's like, hey, people, I just want you to love the Lord your God with every part, with every fiber of your being. What, 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 is, what does loving the Lord your God look like? Offering worship to Him. Offering worship to Him. It's part of the great commandment. The first, the first commandment that Jesus gave, worship God with every fiber of your being. Show Him, tell Him how much you love Him. It's one of the reasons for existence is the local church. It's a command from Jesus. You know, in, in Matthew 4 verses 9 to 10, Jesus shows us that our focus, our attention, our worship can only be directed one way. And so Jesus was tempted by the devil in this passage of Scripture to offer worship to the devil. And, and Jesus replies and shows us the ways of Jesus that we're called to follow. It says in verse 9, the devil said, Oh, if you will bow down and worship me, I will give you all of these things. And Jesus said to him, Get away from me, Satan, for the Scriptures say, You must worship the Lord your God. Serve only Him. So for each of us, the encouragement in everything that we do in life, everything that we put our hands to, everything that we commit to, to ask ourselves in doing this, in committing to this, is this going to worship God in my life? Or is this going to cause me to drag my focus and attention off of Him and onto something else that could potentially become something that's an idol in my life? The encouragement, when those things come and try and take your focus and get you to commit to those things. What, what, is, what does Jesus say? Get away from me, Satan. I, I, I cannot have this thing clouding my mind, clouding what God has called me to. You must serve only Him. In Psalm 29, verses 2, it says this, Praise the Lord and honour His name. Worship the Lord in His holy beauty. This is the cry from our hearts, amen, that we will begin to become these people on, on a level that we didn't even think was possible, that we would just be people who was like, the reason for me existing as a church is to, to see people hear about Jesus and know Jesus, the Great Commission. And the worship for me, the, the, the reason for me to be part of the church, the reason that I exist is to offer worship, thanksgiving to God. So some key things, if you're taking notes, key things for all of us today. Jesus started the church. You are the church. You are the body of Christ, a living, breathing temple that He dwells in. Why does the church exist? To activate commission, to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus to all mankind. And number two, to worship God with all of our heart. So this morning, before we finish up, and we're, we're, gonna, we're just going to have a a short response time this morning, but before you go, I have to I have to ask this question and answer it this morning because so we can hear that 
this is the reason the church exists. We can hear that we're here to extend the Great Commission and share the good news. We can hear that we're here to worship the Lord our God, but how can you activate the why? How can you as individuals, how can I activate the reason the church exists? How can I activate the Great Commission? Well, there's, there's multiples of ways to activate it. There's not one simple way. But the simplest way to start activating specifically the Great Commission is to activate within you a culture of invitation. It sounds too simple, right? So don't I need to like get a milk crate and like go and stand somewhere and stand on it? And No, no, it's, it's much more simple than that and less weird. By activating a culture of invitation, by letting it begin to burn in your heart that when someone's standing in front of you and they're talking about their life is failing and this, their relationships are falling apart, they're about to lose their job, they can't cope, they can't focus, that the list of things that we hear people talk to us about, in that very moment, yes, we show empathy for the very real things that are going on, but the truth of the matter is they need to hear that there is some good news in their world that is falling apart. That is the precursor for their world coming back together. So we can choose to activate a culture of invitation. Say, so you know what? You need, you need to come along to church. You've you got to come along. You, you, there's some good news that you need to hear. I, I want to encourage the church. My, my, myself and Naomi have been talking. It's like, if you will bring people to the house of God, I guarantee you that every message people will hear that there is the good news of Jesus. We are mandating our pastors. Anyone that comes up here and preaches like, I don't care what you preach on. You could preach on that Peter's the rock. But if you don't mention that Jesus Christ came to save and redeem all humanity, what's the use? Amen. It's my heart that we would prolifically activate a culture of invitation in our church. That when we go into the world and when we see people, we see people who need to hear the good news of Jesus. It's great that you can go into somebody's world and be like the hands of feet of Jesus. But if they don't hear that there's good news for them, it's just good deeds. And the second one that you can choose to activate for worship is to take the practice of worship deeper than just singing a song to proactively and purposely go about worshipping God with our actions, our words, our deeds in church, at home, in the car, at work with my kids, with all of my heart and my soul and my mind, and my will and emotions. I want to encourage you that when we, when we choose to treat the people well around, well around us, that's like worship to God. It's so you've changed my life so much that the way I treat people around me is getting better and better and better. And it's a form of worship to God and saying, God, I th thank you. Thank you that you've redeemed me and now I can actually love the people around me well. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment? Holy Spirit, God, I thank you for your church. Thank you that we are the church.
pray for every single person here represented today. That the reason we exist, the reason the church exists, Holy Spirit, God, let it begin to burn like fire in the hearts of every single person. Let it burn like fire in every single person's heart, Father God. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we go about our week, Father God, that it wouldn't just be another message that we've heard. That'll be the very words of Jesus from the Bible, redeeming our hearts and redeeming us to the place that You have called us to be, Lord Jesus, to activate ourselves and join You in the commission set before us, Father God. I pray that even as we go into our go into our workplaces and our schools and our universities and our communities and our families, Father God, that our hearts would begin to burn to share the good news of Jesus. You can lower your hands this morning, just with your eyes closed. If there's anybody in this place who doesn't know Jesus personally, you've never responded to the hope and love and forgiveness of Jesus. I say, I say this today with the empathy coming from my heart. You may have been in church your entire life and you've lived out your salvation through your parents or aunties, uncles, grandparents, but you've never personally made a decision to respond to the gospel. This is important. Salvation is for you. Becoming part of the church is for you, not through somebody else. You can't receive salvation through a family member. You can only receive salvation in your heart personally from Jesus. If that's you, this is your moment to respond. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I come out of the front. There's no need to be embarrassed today. This is, this is too important. This is too important. You can't live out your salvation through a family member. It's you, a personal relationship with God. If you're watching online, this is for you as well. This is your moment to respond. If that's you, just with everyone's eyes closed, say, I, I need to respond to Jesus or I need to come back into relationship with Him because I've been living my own way. If that's you, can I invite you to lift your hand up and once you've put it up, you can put it back down. Is there anyone else that say, yeah, I, I need to do that. Awesome, thank you. That's awesome. I'm so, so good. Anybody else today? See, I, I, I need to get my heart and my life back with God. I need to respond to the forgiveness that Jesus has for me. I need to step into the good news that Jesus has for me. This is what we're going to do as, as a church. We're going to pray a prayer with you. The people who have, maybe you put your hand up or you didn't, that's besides the point. God's not interested in hands this morning. He's interested in hearts that confess that He is Lord. If you're watching online, join us as we pray this prayer together. Why don't we pray? Dear God, I thank you that you sent Jesus. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and you raised him. From this moment on, I choose to follow you, Jesus. I surrender my life. I repent of my sins and I receive your forgiveness. I'm so thankful for this good news. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that that message was a blessing to you. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, first of all, congratulations. We think that that is incredible. 
And secondly, if you go to gc.org.au forward slash first steps, our team has put together some resources as well as there's some information there for how you can get in contact with one of our pastors because we'd love to encourage you and connect you into the life of the church.